Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the first reading, we hear from the book of the prophet Ezekiel, and he says, You have been appointed watchman of the house of Israel. Well, in the ancient world, it was a common practice for cities and villages and towns to have walls around it as a means of protection and defense. In fact, if you go to Jerusalem today, and you go to the old city of Jerusalem, you see the wall around it. And it's a huge wall. It's about 40, 50 feet tall and about 20 feet or so wide. And there were watchmen at specific areas of the wall, watching out, looking for enemies or threats. And it was their duty to sound the alarm and warn the people in Jerusalem, in the city, to take shelter or to protect themselves. So this was an everyday occurrence. Every time you went to the market, you went to work, or even went to the well to get water, you would look up and you would see those watchmen on top of the wall in Jerusalem. So this was a common occurrence. And so Ezekiel is now telling the Israelites that they are like those watchmen, but in the spiritual life, they have to be able to account or watch one another to protect them against walking down the wrong spiritual path. Now you say, okay, that makes sense. That's the job of a prophet. The prophet is the spokesperson on behalf of God in this world. The prophet's job, yeah, to warn people if they're going down the wrong path that leads to their own self-destruction. And yet Ezekiel is telling the Israelites they now have to be the watchmen for each other. And now Ezekiel, he could say, he turns it up a notch. He says, If you do not speak out to persuade the wicked of his ways, and the wicked die for guilt, I will hold you responsible for your death. Well, again, Ezekiel is speaking on behalf of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that very troublesome. In fact, this phrase is very hard to take. Now, realize what God is saying to us. If we know someone is engaged in a lifestyle of self-destruction, we have to help them. And if we don't try and help them, God tells us we're going to be held responsible for that person and what they do and the outcome of it. Again, in all of sacred scripture, this passage is probably one of the most troubling. It's hard for us to take. It really speaks about the term referred to as fraternal correction. And we see this talked about in all three of the readings this weekend. Ezekiel, Paul, and Jesus. They talk about fraternal correction. We are essentially on for each other. And we have to watch each other and help each other, especially if we're headed down the wrong spiritual path. 
Now, for some of us, we feel uneasy about this. And yet, the readings tell us this is our responsibility. Now, take, for example, a friend. In fact, a very good friend. You see that they're making some bad choices in their life, and it's hurting them. Now, if you're a genuine friend, you're going to practice fraternal correction. You're going to be compelled to do so because you are a friend. Now, you're going to treat that person with respect, but you're going to be motivated because you care for that person. Is it going to be easy to talk to them, and especially about their lifestyle changes? No, it's not. But if you're really a friend, can you really stand by and do nothing as they watch them destroy their life? I don't think you can. That's why we're compelled to intervene and help them. Now, what are the, or some of the standard objections for not practicing fraternal corrections? Well, some may say, well, it's none of my business. Or, I have enough to worry about in my life. You know, let alone worrying about other people. Or, whatever that person is doing, you know, it's their business. Let somebody else, you know, talk to them. Another factor that could prevent us from engaging in fraternal correction is what I would refer to as the who-do-you-think-you-are factor. You go up to that friend again, and you tell them how concerned you are, you're worried about them, and tell them that their way of life is going to be harmful for not just them, but for others in their life. They respond to you by saying, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are telling me how to live my life? First, clean up your life before you can sit there and judge me. Now, frankly, when you read all three of the readings for this weekend, all those objections don't hold any water. We have to always remember, we make up the body of Christ. Therefore, we're on for each other. We're responsible for each other. And so, if one person is engaged in harmful behavior, eventually it's going to affect many people. Just look at a family. You know, if one family member is engaged in essentially harmful behavior or a self-destructive behavior, eventually that person is going to affect the whole family. Good analogy is the organs of our body. There's no way the lungs can say to the stomach, you know, stomach, I'm sorry that you have this terrible illness, but you're not going to affect me. Well, wrong. If the stomach isn't treated and healed, eventually that illness is going to spread to all the other organs in the body. Well, we can practice fraternal correction. And we do it with respect to the person, but always concerned and acting or compelled out of charity to help them. And we can do it. I'll give you a great example of this. It's a true story. I have a friend that's a professor. He teaches at a Catholic college. He loves working out. In fact, he works out every day in the gym. And so one day he went to the gym, like he always does in the afternoon when he's done with all of his work. And he goes to the gym. And the college gym is wonderful. It's always advanced, up to date, has the latest equipment. And it was fall. So on campus were all the freshmen. Well, as he entered into the gym, he saw two freshman boys together working out. And then he noticed the t-shirts that they were wearing and the images on the t-shirts and what, some of the things that were said. 
and it was very offensive and deeply degrading to women. Now, he grimaced a little bit and thought, oh boy, that's awful. But he went about his workout. He just went over to the machines and began working out. Now, he was on the treadmill, and about 15 or 20 minutes after he came into the gym to work out, a woman came in. She was probably in her late 20s or so. She came in to work out too. And so he noticed her coming in. She too immediately looked at those two freshman boys. And then she peered at the t-shirts that they were wearing. Now, she didn't just ignore them and begin to work out like my friend did. No, she made a beeline directly to those boys and began upbraiding them. Saying things, do you know how brutally offensive those images are to me and to any woman? Do you know how gravely offensive and degrading those images are to any woman at all, or especially the women on this campus that have to look at those t-shirts? Would you treat your sister or your mother in that way? Do you really think about women in that specific way? And so she spent several minutes essentially berating these young boys. Now, the whole time, the boys were essentially looking straight down to the ground as the woman was talking to them. They stared at the ground because they couldn't bear to look at the woman eye to eye. They were so ashamed and embarrassed. Finally, towards the end, the woman said to the boys, Please, do not ever wear these shirts ever again. No one should be treated this way. You should always treat everyone with dignity and respect. And then she walked away and began to work out. Now, my friend is on the treadmill, and he's seen this whole thing unveil. And he's saying to himself, good for you, girl. Good for you, lady. You know, they deserve exactly what you're telling them. So he was cheering for her. He was very proud of her. And then he thought about himself. He said, you know, if there's anyone that should be over there talking to those boys, it shouldn't be me. Why not? I'm married. I have three daughters. I'm a professor that teaches on this campus, and I teach theology. If there's anyone that should be talking to those boys, it should be me. But he didn't have the courage to do so. In fact, he was deeply ashamed because of that. And yet he congratulated and was proud of this woman because she had the courage to practice fraternal correction for those boys. And I think all three of the readings speak to that. And yet we see that not just in these readings, but throughout sacred scripture, that we're on for each other. We have to be, as Ezekiel said, the watchman for each of us. So how do we begin to practice fraternal correction? Well, Paul tells us in that second reading, he says, Love does no evil to thy neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, as I've said many times before, when you hear love like this, it's not an emotion or a term of affection. It's simply to will the good of another. Now, is it easy to practice this correction? No, it's going to be sometimes even difficult. Go back to that story with that woman and the two boys. Now, I could argue she loved those two boys. She willed the good for those two guys to confront them and make them aware of how offensive 
those shirts were that they were wearing. Now, did she awaken in them warm and fuzzy feelings? No, not at all. But she did awaken within them something very, very important. And that was the good that resided within those boys. And in doing so, she taught them that they have to respect and treat all people with dignity and respect. Not just on what they say and what they do, but even what they wear. And I think therein lies the great lesson. When we use fraternal correction, motivated by charity and care for that person, treating that person with respect, essentially we bring them back away from the wrong path that they're walking on, and we see them walk now the right path, the right spiritual path. And we bring about the good within inside of them. Now, one last thing. Turn to the gospel. Jesus says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Well, what's the potential temptation? Well, we feel a sense of moral superiority. We think we're better than those people. We say to ourselves, I would never engage in such behavior. Well, we have to avoid that temptation. Follow the teachings of Ezekiel, Paul, and Jesus. Summon the courage, and if necessary, practice fraternal correction, motivated always by charity and care for that person. Go back to that woman. Now, that story was a few years old now. Now, those boys are now young men. And it is my hope that those young men are better men because that woman practiced fraternal correction. Because of what she said and what she did, now those young men are better people for that. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.